Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome wherever you are in our great country or around the world. This is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel, and I'm always excited to be with you for another edition of All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Uh, as you will discover, by spending an hour with us each Friday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and it's rebroadcast numbers of times or even on demand, we'll, we'll take one of the issues of our day. Today we're going to take quite a few because many of them simply are not discussed in our by our so-called leaders, and we'll provide an in-depth analysis, and boy, I tell you, take out your notes, pads, and pencils, because my guest today is a fellow by the name of Dr. Jim Doty. Jim Doty was, or is, the most effective administrator I've probably ever found in my life. Uh, he took over a pretty sleepy uh, Chapman School, Chapman College, and turned it into a thriving Chapman University. Just an amazing man, and he is always calls himself Jim. I would see him walk on his campus, and he would have his students. He's the chancellor. He's the president. Call him Jim. So he's down to earth, but a really fine fellow. I can also tell you, and Jim, you may not remember this, but how you and I first met, uh, there was actually a lawsuit in my courtroom in which a jury found against Chapman University and in favor of one of your former professors. And uh, at the motion for a new trial, Chapman's attorneys brought you in and said, well, Your Honor, we have a new president of the university, may he dress the court. A bit unusual, but I said, you know, certainly why not? And you told us at that time that you had looked at what had happened. You were aghast by what had happened. It would never happen again under your administration. And I agreed with you. I felt you were a man of integrity from that moment. Uh, the problem was, of course, that you can't go backwards. So that, that didn't work as to that. But you have, in fact, changed the whole dynamics of Chapman University. So I would like to ask you to give us First of all, a little bit of background about you. Uh, you are a Milton Friedman trained economist, uh, and you are a president of the university. But uh, give us a little bit about your background. But first, simply welcome to All Rise. Well, thank you, Jim. It's a, it's a privilege to be on your show, knowing all that you've done for uh, the nation, uh, especially our community. Uh, uh, it is a privilege and a pleasure. Uh, and thank you for that very kind introduction. If I may, though, I'd just like to say that uh, while you gave me uh, the credit for the, the transformation we, we were able to do at Chapman, uh, I'm really a very small part of it. We had a, an incredible team of people, as you well know, we probably had the leading board of trustees uh, in the nation, people like George Argerus, uh, Betty Williams, Marion Knott, Don Sidero, uh, Paul Musco. Uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, they, along with our faculty and a dedicated administration, really pulled together and uh, made Chapman a different kind of place, a more exciting place. Uh, and uh, I just had the privilege of being president during that time. 
Okay, I'm going to interrupt you right now. I can't take any more of this. This humbleness is, is just like Jim Doty. <laughs> but who do you have on your board of directors? People that you brought in. So, you know, yeah. by the way, you know, that, that's... Yeah. Let, there is a lot to this, but but now get to my question. But but simply, I, I gave you a compliment. The answer is thank you, and you said that. But but you're a good man, and I'm proud to have you as my friend and on my show. So give us thank a little you. more about your thank background you. before I so ungraciously interrupted you. Well, good, and and maybe in our discussion today, I'll uh, uh, I will point out some of the. Uh, contributions that so many people made to Chapman that uh, uh, made it what it is and, and why they are responsible for so much that happened. Uh, but the, the, my background is uh, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Chicago boy. I was a Chicago White Sox and, and Cubs fan. Unlike a lot, I didn't hate one and love the other. Uh, but I was uh, that gave me a love for statistics because I could I could recite every. Uh, the uh, earned run average and batting average of every member of the team. And and in school, I, I really had an interest in mathematics, which led to an interest in economics. Uh, I'm the uh, son of immigrant parents who were both born in Italy. They met in Chicago uh, in a settlement house not far from Jane Addams. And uh, uh, I grew up in a loving household with uh, uh, two older brothers, one younger sister, and uh, uh, my and and a day didn't go by when my parents, neither of whom graduated from high school, urged us uh, not just urged us. Uh, I think it was not even a condition. We would be going to college, all of us, and all of all of their four children all graduated from college, uh, and that gave them so much pride. I think it was their their legacy that uh, gave them real satisfaction and in 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 the family and uh, uh, and and his parents. Uh, I was able uh, at the University of Illinois to uh, read the works of Milton Friedman as an undergraduate. Capitalism and Freedom was my epiphany. Turned me on to economics, and I decided this is what I want to teach. And uh, where was Milton Friedman? Not too far away, University of Chicago. And I decided that would be my graduate school. Worked hard enough to get the grades and uh, and 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 have the. Uh, Privilege and good fortune to be accepted at uh, Chicago during a time when uh, there were probably uh, seven Nobel laureates, uh, along with Milton Friedman, people like George Stigler, uh, Gary Becker, uh, and many others. And uh, and and I was blessed to be there. So uh, that was my my Chicago background before I uh, moved out to California. Well, you've you've said a lot, and and I can ask you one question, Jim Doty. Uh, how do how can I be sure that Osama bin Laden and Jimmy Hoffa are dead? And of course, the answer is they both recently registered to vote in Chicago. But <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll if we get if I'll, we get, I'll move if on. we get into that, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to talk about that because uh, we have an interesting. Uh, forecasting model, presidential forecasting model, where we've we forecasted the plurality, not the winner, but the majority vote of the winning party in the last 14 out of 16 elections. One that we were off in was the 1960 uh, Kennedy-Nixon. We we uh, the model forecasted a narrow plurality for Nixon, and of course it turned out a narrow plurality for uh, JFK, but. Uh, uh, I still say that that was because of not only uh, the Texas 
uh, votes, but uh, also the additional votes that Mayor Daley was somehow able to come up with in uh, 1960 uh, to put the vote in favor of JFK. I think he swung the election. He sure had a lot of private friends, didn't he? But okay, the the statute of limitations has run on that, I think, now, Jim. But you mentioned your parents, and what a what an American dream story. And and you talk about the the wonderfulness, but uh, of their expectations, and so many children suffer the the tragedy of low expectations, and then they live up to slash down to them. But I'll bet that your parents had and showed high expectations for you and your siblings throughout your childhood. True enough? Yeah, yeah. my, my dad was a shoe salesman at Carson Peary Scott and Company, uh, a department store uh, right in the middle of the loop on State Madison. Uh, he worked there for more than 50 years. Uh, my mother was a milliner and uh, made hats for a local uh, hat store. And uh, obviously, we, we didn't have great wealth, but I never felt poor because there were so, the family, family values were so strong. And you had enforced boundaries, I'll bet you, that uh, you knew where you could go and where you couldn't, so you would be able to thrive within those boundaries. Is that also true? I've never met your parents, I'm sorry to say. Absolutely true. And one of those, one of those things we were forced to do is to always strive to prepare ourselves for college because in no uncertain terms, we were all going to be graduates and have the opportunities. My dad always said this. We came to this country. My, my parents sacrificed, came to this country, did not know the language, did not know the culture. And they did this so that their descendants would have the opportunities that we didn't have. So you have to make sure you, you live up to that uh, responsibility. Indeed so. And just indeed so. I, I chip my cap to them. So you brought us up a little bit. You've gotten us up to Chicago, uh, in the University of Chicago. But how did you, give us a little more. How did you get tied into Chapman University? And, or it was college back then, I believe. And, and what was your steps along the way? Yeah, I was... Uh, I was uh, just receiving my Ph.D. in the, around the mid, uh, just the early 1970s. Uh, my dissertation chair was the great economist and Nobel laureate George Stigler. And uh, both he and Milton Friedman, who I got to know quite well, had uh, positions that they had recommended me for at large state research kinds of institutions, uh, and uh, where, where if I followed that career path, I would be mainly doing research and, and not very much teaching. I also had a, a position they were recommending me for at the time at GM as, a, as an eco- economic researcher. And I decided uh, to, uh, when I was in the uh, time when I was starting to think of a career path and, and where I would be, thought I should at least try to see other parts of the country. And... Um, our family had taken a vacation in California. It's probably the only vacation we ever had. We took the El Capitan train out to uh, to California when uh, not too long after Disneyland first opened in, in the mid fifties. And the the one week we were here, I fell in love with California, and I always thought about it. And I was at the New York. Uh, American Economic Association meetings, looking for positions, and I noticed that there was a job opening for a small school in Orange County, California, called Chapman College. And I thought, well, it's in California. It's in the same county where Disneyland is. I never forgot about Disneyland, and I thought, well, I may as well apply. So this was at the then Americana Hotel. It's now the Sheraton. And uh, 
I went up to the interview room, and uh, who was in the interview room but uh, Don Booth, who is uh, someone who became my close friend at Chapman, my mentor, uh, eventually taught uh, at Chapman for 50 years. But also with them was a young economist by the name of Lynn Pearson. Uh, who uh, who uh, was on the selection committee, and uh, they had me come out to uh, Chapman, and uh, I'll never forget driving down to Laguna Beach, and I said, you know, this is a really nice <laughs> area, and uh, this was during the winter when uh, uh, the weather was just beautiful. I probably left uh, uh, zero degrees uh, and uh, thirty mile per hour winds for sun and. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, beautiful weather and a wonderful environment and mountains that that were just uh, incredible brought back all of my memories of California and uh, uh, decided uh, to accept their offer and teach and and I thought well I'll do this for a year and uh, during that year I really fell in love with Chapman University and I also fell in love with that person who was on my selection committee Lynn Pearson who eventually became <laughs> Lynn Doty. <laughs> and a wonderful lady she is too. We were just spending some time with her recently. We we only use you to get to her. I, I've got to confess publicly. Uh, yeah, so, she is quite an she is quite an accomplished economist herself. Uh, she's written more books than I have, distinguished books in economic history, uh, money and banking, and she's now doing research on California missions and the economics of California missions. So I'm really proud of. Uh, of all that she's done and, and as an economist. So you could see at night we have a lot to talk about when we uh, discuss uh, each of the presidential candidates and their economic policies. Oh, me. Uh, that calls for a, a couple of glasses <laughs> of wine, I'm afraid. So I have some notes here in preparation for, for these. And one of the things that I wrote down, and I'm asking you this question now, that the challenges you faced in bringing Chapman up from a fairly sleepy college into a dynamic university and how you accomplished that amazing goal. But I was chuckling and looking at my notes because I had a typographical error, maybe Freudian, because instead of the challenges you faced, I said to myself, the challenges you aced, which is also what you did. But how did you? <laughs> you did face I like challenges. So I, I was chuckling while <laughs> you were talking before. So, so how do you bring a fairly sleepy, it was a wonderful school, but but not really avant-garde, into the vibrant university. Well, you're the best administrator I've ever met, and now I'm putting the pressure on you to give us some of those tips. How do you approach this, other than, of course, partnering with some very good and, and powerful and, and caring people? But, but tell us a little bit about that, because you've done wonders. Well, thank you for that, that question, Jim. I appreciate it, because I, I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I'm working on a book uh, that discusses and, and tries to delve into that transformation and explain the basis for it and how it happened. And it, it goes back before I became president. Uh, when I first started at Chapman, it was 1974, 45 years ago. I just celebrated my 45, uh, 45th year at the university. I was hired as a assistant professor of economics. I, I decided to get a Ph.D. so I could teach. That was my goal. I could think of nothing better than teaching economics and doing economic research, and that's what I did. And uh, I think a major change in my career path was when I decided to teach a new course called econometrics, which is more or less advanced uh, statistics combined with some economics. And it was the first time we taught it at Chapman. And to make the class more interesting, 
I decided to use Orange County as an economic laboratory and develop a regression model. And in-house, we would be doing economic forecasts and employment, housing prices, and things like that. And uh, it was all in-house, and I was happy doing it, and I thought it made the course more interesting. It was just about the time, 1978, when Jarvis-Gan Initiative was being debated. That was the initiative to limit property taxes. goes way, way back. And uh, uh, UCLA uh, and most other prognosticators pointed out that this, this drop in revenue would be devastating to the state and to the economy. And our model, when we plugged in that drop in property taxations because of the cap, the 1% cap that was placed uh, uh, on as a result of the initiative as it was being discussed before the vote, but we saw that it would have a positive impact on the economy in terms of job growth. Uh, and that job growth would have a supply-side effect that would overwhelm the loss in revenue. And that's when we decided to go public with our, our forecast. I know this is a long way from Chapman and the transformation, but it, it enters into it. Because we went public, and uh, that's when, I, when we decided that these results were so important that we had to share them with our community. And that got me into moving from... Chapman and, and, and my students to, to presenting our output to the community. And uh, that made it possible for to meet and get to know and uh, develop a close friendship with George Argers, who was then chairman of the board of trustees at Chapman, a Chapman graduate. And he became my mentor, my friend, and much of what we did at Chapman is, is based on many of the things I learned from him. And the, the central thing I learned from, from George, and all came about as a result of the economic forecast and meeting the public, uh, giving presentations, sometimes sponsored by Mr. Argers, was uh, uh, that when you are a leader, you have to have a, a vision, a very clear uh, vision that's exciting, that can involve everyone in the organization, so everyone in the organization, uh, organization can be leaders as well. And that's when I got to thinking about what can we do differently at Chapman that, to make it special? What can we focus on? What could be the, 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 the vision that uh, excites the hearts and minds, not only of our Chapman community, but the Orange County community. Uh, and, and George would always say, and this is as a result of this business, mainly in, a, in, a, in apartments, is for whatever level of quality you are, you have to be the best. It, it's not worth doing something unless you can be the best. So it was that vision that, uh, that he instilled in me uh, that was in my mind, and, and I began to think about that as I be, when I became director of our Center for Economic Research, now the A. Gary Anderson Center for Economic Research, and uh, then went on and became uh, dean of our Ardrey School of Business and Economics, later acting president, and then, and then president. I might but, but I don't want to end this without saying that uh, I'm very, very... Uh, proud of the fact that our forecast on the positive effects of lowering taxes was the right one. Uh, and uh, our model was the first one to call that. You know, Jim Doty, you, you've said so much there. I, I, I'm going to listen to this show several times and, and just listen to it again. Uh, 
you mentioned vision. Uh, what you didn't say but you implied is you also have to have the courage to follow where your information leads you. Outside the box, you were outside the box with regard to Proposition 13, uh, lowering or keeping a cap on the increase of, of property taxes, and that was not politique. That was not something that people wanted you to, to say, but you followed it, following George Arduous, who, by the way, was also an ambassador to uh, Italy, was it? Where, uh, uh, to Spain. To Spain. To Spain, that's right, yes. But uh, that's good stuff. But I can also say, while you were you were talking there, that I have used the same thing. I, I wrote a musical called Americans All, and in fact, the Americans All theme song is what we're using for this show, All Rise. And uh, I have our students, the, the slogan is, eschew mediocrity. You know, make excellence your trademark and, and your pattern. And that's that's what you were saying. That's what your, your parents were saying as well. You brought that to Chapman, and, and you've simply done it. Uh, yes, though, you've had to ask people for some substantial contributions. Uh, these things don't just happen. Buildings don't go up without uh, without some form of funding. You mentioned the Arduous School of Business. Uh, that means that George Arduous made a pretty substantial donation. Uh, you've also gotten the Fowlers and the Kennedys and, and the Mills even. Uh, how do you go about, I mean, this is a tough question maybe, to, to how do you ask these people for donations? And obviously, it doesn't just come out of nowhere and it's programmed and you don't just say, well, would you like to live in eternity and have your name on a building? Uh, it's not It's not an easily done thing. Uh, I'm sure people like George Arduous get asked all the time. Jim Doty, how do, you, how do you do that and make it in human terms and be so successful at it? Give us some tips. Well, well thank you. And uh, it, it goes back to the previous comment about having vision. Um, this may surprise many people who, uh, who think of me as a fundraiser, uh, and I, I'm, uh, you know, I accept that and, 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 I, and, and thank people for that uh, acknowledgement. But when I uh, approach donors, rarely, if ever, do I ask for a specific gift. Uh, it, it goes back to vision and uh, creating an institution that's special, uh, that is excellent, uh, the best that it can be. And if you can articulate and get the entire community, the Chapman community, uh, involved with that, and that community involves our board of trustees, and, 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 and be passionate about it and, and accept it as something that they want to be a part of, those individuals will approach you and ask, how can, I, how can I be a part of this? This is exciting, Jim. Uh, could, if we're going to be doing this, how can, how can I be a part and uh, an integral part of it? So with respect to George Argeris, who graduated from business, loved Chapman University, uh, obviously uh, we were all part of a team, and, uh, and uh, he approached me and, and asked, how can I help and uh, uh, specifically, how can I do something for uh, for our business program and make it a better one? And I said, "Well, that's great, George. I'm great. To, let me think about that. Let me let me discuss it with our faculty and get back to you and give you some ideas." Uh, so more often than not, it was people coming to me. Paul Musco and our beautiful Musco Center for the Arts. Paul loved opera. That's how I got to meet him. I, he was sitting next to me at an event. Uh, a birthday party for Dick Marconi, a, a mutual friend of ours. And, and the first time I met him, we started talking about the Metropolitan Opera Radio Opera 
broadcasts on Saturday, and my parents, my mom would would force me to listen to that on Saturday afternoons, if you could believe that. And uh, same thing with Paul Musco and his Italo-American family. And we love that. We talked about opera, and I connected him with our incredible College of Performing Arts at Chapman. He grew to love the students, the faculty, uh, our dean, uh, Bill Hall. And that's when he came to me and said, we have these incredible students, and they they deserve a, a venue that uh, that, that for, to perform. They have so much talent. They deserve something uh, that uh, can uh, be a, a showcase uh, for for what they do. And, well, I said, that's a great idea. Let me discuss this with Bill Hall, and let's work with Bill Hall and the faculty. And uh, we came up with a vision for the uh, what became the... Uh, Musco Center for the Arts, which I think is probably the leading performing arts venue in the nation for any college or university. Well, you know, what you said is what Tip O'Neill said, Jim, a long time ago, and that is politics is personal. Pretty much business is personal. Everything is personal. Uh, and and what you're saying is it's not at all surprising. You're such a human person and such a caring person. And uh, yeah, you plant a few seeds and, and the rest. I was in Peace Corps training. And uh, one thing I was in the Peace Corps in Costa Rica. And one thing that I learned in training was you're not going to change anybody's attitudes, involvements, participation, unless it's a what they called a felt need. That is, it has to come from them, whether they know it or not. But uh, that's ex- kind of what you were saying there. So, yes, indeed. Uh, I'll also take you back to when you were talking about John Kennedy and, and reducing the uh, uh, here in California first. But he reduced income taxes. And lo and behold, he increased government revenue by decreasing taxes. Maybe our government could learn yeah. something from that. You probably ought to listen to Jim yeah, Doty and the, and the Economist. Right. Not unlike Jarvis Gann, same same kind of supply side uh, impact, which are, which we're also seeing with the recent corporate tax cut. In, indeed, so. So when we come back, we're going to take a break now and, and listen to a few things. Uh, and actually, you'll hear again our our uh, uh, theme song, "Americans All." I'll proudly say. But then we're going to talk economics. Uh, we have a Milton Friedman and others taught economist here with us on the phone, uh, President Jim Doty of. Chan- uh, former president now, I'm sorry to say, of of Chapman University, but we're going to talk about economics. And uh, I can tell you, in a lot of ways, some people say that 48% of all statistics are thought up on the spot. Well, that may be true in the political realm, but uh, it isn't true with economists. So we're going to get down and dirty with regard to what works in, in economics. The invisible hand all play a part of decisions. They don't control them always, but they're always a factor. And we're going to talk about some of those when we come back after these words. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today 
to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray, and even more importantly, with, with Jim Doty, the chairman, the, excuse me, the president of Chapman University here in Orange County, California. We were talking about things that work, uh, vision, uh, how you, you approach people to, as a partnership and the rest. And, and before we leave that term, uh, did you, you must have had some difficulty, Jim Doty, in convincing others to follow that vision. Uh, can you give us some examples? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking that, uh, Jim, because it, it, it's, a, it's it's important. Because when I say that uh, that you know George and others uh, uh, really instilled in me this idea that uh, to, to make a difference, to to add to the community, you need to be you need to be excellent. You need to be the, the very best that you can be. You, could, you must aspire and reach for the stars, as George would often George Argus would often tell me that. That, that sounds like a platitude. It sounds, of course, every, every organization wants to do that. And that may be, but when you actually live that vision, it, it leads to a situation where you have to make some tough, tough decisions. Some would say courageous, uh, and some fool, some may say foolhardy, but if you really are committed, you, it forces you to make the right decisions and, 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 and go down that path that Gary, Gary Cooper did in high noon when he walked down the middle of that lane, uh, to face his destiny. Well, the same thing is true when you, when you're committed and passionate about transforming, uh, an institution or an organization. Uh, in the case of making it the best that we can be in terms of Chapman, I was, as a faculty member, I, I saw what makes a university special. To recruit and retain the best and brightest faculty, recruit the best and brightest students, put them together. Magic happens. That's what creates a, an exciting, involving, uh, vibrant uh, educational community uh, and, and educational uh, search for truth. Well, uh, an example that came up is how do you bring in these these, these well-prepared students uh, that can go to other Ivy League schools that have higher reputation? Well, uh, I'm, I'm an economist. I realize that it's the market system at work, and you need scholarships. At the time at Chapman, we didn't have the money to give scholarships, but we were giving scholarships to athletes. We were a Division Two and Division One program in baseball. And I realized that why do you know, why don't we transfer the money that we're giving student athletes and give it to academic scholarships that 
led to the creation of the uh, what we call President Scholars. We then moved to Division Three, and that actually made it possible for us to increase the number of student-athletes at Chapman because it wasn't as expensive as it was uh, when you had to pay scholarships. But I have to say, of the 25 years I served as president, Jim, the toughest thing was was that change. It seems like it makes so much sense now, but I had to deal with parents who, where their sons and daughters were participating in teams, where they were getting scholarships, and they thought that these kids are going to be playing pro ball and whatever the sport might be, and I was taking the rug out from under them. And I remember when I had to meet with those parents, explain the rationale and what we're doing, I felt a little bit <laughs> like Gary Cooper walking down that main street uh, in, in high noon. But that gives you an example of, you know, you have to make, and it wasn't, it wasn't popular with the trustees. Again, I had to go back, constantly go back to our vision and what we want to do. And if we really, really believe in it and we want to re- recruit these, these best and brightest students, we have to sometimes make decisions that, that forces to to make trade-offs, give up something to get something else that is of higher value. Just an outstanding example. You you know, you have to choose your emphasis. You can't do everything. So you decided, of all things, to emphasize academics over sports. And boy, what a contribution, because we all know that your chances of being a professional athlete and and getting anywhere there are so remote. But your chances of of getting an education and having those skills going forward. Uh, You you have mentioned that you're writing a book. Uh, I'm actually writing one now also, Jim. But for about the last three years, I've written this book. Two paragraphs for liberty that I've been sending out to by emails. And by the way, if anyone listening would like to uh, uh, have be on our list, go to judgejimgray.com and hook up with me, and I'd be happy to include you. But uh, at the end of each little two paragraphs for liberty, where I show how the libertarian way, the, the free enterprise system instead of government would just come up with such a better outcome. I also have these little quotes. And uh, one of them, because I have to be silly, my wife is telling me that I have to at least inject some silliness on this show. So I will ask you, Jim Doty, I know this has been on your mind. uh, What do you get when you mix an elephant and a rhinoceros? I I know that this has been concerning you and many of our listeners. What do you get when you mix (laughs) an elephant and a rhinoceros? And the answer is elephino. At any rate, uh, moving on, <laughs> we'll get where we go. But, but you know, I also had a quote, and this is why I was thinking of it, that, uh, a quote at the end of one of my two paragraphs for liberty. If you think you can, you're more likely to try. And that was what was occurring to me when you're talking about your passion, going back to your parents. Your parents instilled in you, of course you can do that. Of course you can, can have vision. Of course you can achieve uh, uh, excellence. And, and so you're passing that along to our students at Chapman. Just bless you for that. Congratulations for that. And now I, I'd really, to carry out my promise, would like to kind of go to the economics. Um, I love Thomas Sowell also, and you spell it S-O-W-E-L-L, but you could spell it S-O-U-L as far as I'm concerned. But he made a comment that, and I, I'd run this by you, Jim Doty. And great economist that we've had at Chapman, a remarkable human being. Yes, indeed. But he said that the first rule of economics is scarcity. There's never enough goods and services to satisfy the demand. So there's always a scarcity. Then he went on to say the first rule of politics is to ignore the first rule of economics. And I thought he just had a way about him. I assume that you pretty much agree with that, too, Dr. Jim Doty. Well, it goes goes back to what we were just talking about in the way of trade-offs. There is scarcity, and uh, that's why a vision 
is so very important because something has to guide you in terms of those trade-offs. What do you trade off for one for the other? What What is it that guides you in that decision-making? And that goes back to this idea of having a, an underlying belief in something, and that's what guides an organization, an institution, and even an individual. And on the individual basis, what you're just saying about that can-be spirit, that's so very important, Jim. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I hope young people who are listening to this capture that idea because the one attribute of an individual that, that I, I see in our students that ultimately leads to success is not academic acumen, but a, a, a philosophy, a, an inner feeling uh, that things are half full rather than half empty. That is this can-do spirit. Don't think that there's this wall that you can't, you can't, uh, uh, and, and challenges that you just can't overcome. That's what, that's what life is all about, overcoming those challenges and getting over those walls. And the only way that can happen is if you have that half full kind of attitude, uh, uh that optimistic attitude that leads you to, uh, you know, accomplish great, uh, and, and, and try to accomplish great things. But, Jim, today so many of our mostly young people are gravitating over to what they call socialism. And I don't think they know really what socialism means, you know, all this free stuff and the rest, too, that we're seeing, which simply is counterproductive. Uh, but to what is it about the free enterprise system that works? And, and why is it better than a socialistic system? Socialism, in effect, in my understanding, means that the, the government controls the means of production, the pricing, and the rest. So I say, well, who's in a better position to decide how many red cars to manufacture or black cars or television sets, flat skin or otherwise, the people that are actually going to have to sell them or some form of government bureaucrat? And it's the pricing system that really has what some call the double thank you. Uh, that's John Stossel's term, I believe. The double thank you moment where the, the seller shakes hands with the buyer and the seller is happy enough to receive the, the buyer's money for the product because they have quite a few of them. And the buyer is happy to exchange that money for the product that he doesn't have as much. And that brings the whole system of pricing into accord because if you're charging too much, you won't sell and you're going to have to make adjustments. So tell us a little bit your views. I've been rattling on a little too long because you're the expert and I'm not. But Tell us why the, the free market system works, obviously with some controls, uh, but and why the socialistic system simply has failed wherever it's been tried. Well, I would I would recommend that uh, that young people uh, who are thinking of socialism that, uh, that rather than, uh, than than and tell them that just not the way to go, I, it's best for them to see it themselves. Uh, and one way they can do it is similar to what I did when I was uh, in, in college, and that is to read, I read Capitalism and Freedom by Milton Friedman. Uh, I would recommend that they read Free to Choose. The one the one benefit I had growing up was I, I grew up during the Cold War when you can see uh, the difference between Eastern Europe and Western Europe. You could see in one city the, the same kind of people, same culture, same values, same language, East Germany, uh, East Berlin and West Berlin, uh, divided by a wall. And you can see one was just a desolate, I hate to use the word, hellhole, and one was a vibrant, exciting place to live with the you mean, things happening. You mean, and, 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 Jim, and, but Jim people you mean... You mean there's a difference between I mean, the econ you mean there's a difference between the economy of North Korea and South Korea? 
<laughs> yeah, but that right now that's about the only example, except for I, and people don't see it, uh, what Venezuela was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, versus what it is today. Uh, it was at one time the, the, the wealthiest, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, in terms of uh, GDP per capita, highest GDP per capita of any nation in Latin America, and now it's an economic basket case. Under so tell socialism. us, tell us the pricing system. Uh, how does it work, uh, and uh, how does the free enterprise system then work better than socialism? Well, you said it so well. You just said it uh, in the pre in, in the question you asked me, where where uh, people. Uh, make decisions. It's all about freedom and liberty, and people are different, and, and they, they place value on things by, uh, by votes. Uh, the votes are not in the ballot box, but by the dollar votes when they decide to buy things. In a, in a free enterprise system, the market responds. In a socialist system, it's dictated, and uh, it leads to stagnation and leads to uh, graft, uh, and uh, uh, and as a result, uh, the economy uh, becomes stultified and, uh, and 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 simply does not produce not just the wealth that's not as important as the liberty, the freedom that's the uh, underlying value of uh, uh, what a nation should be. That's how, that was the basis for our nation to limit government so that uh, so that the market is as free as possible to respond to what individuals uh, desire in the marketplace. Now, you mentioned Milton Friedman, and again, he's certainly my hero, and I agree that my Bible really is free to choose. And for our listeners, you must also understand that that was really made into something like five segments on public television, so there's some videos or stuff that's available. So look, if you don't want to read the book, you can see Milton Friedman and discuss it on some videos. And by the way, Jim, I'll tell you proudly that uh, Milton Friedman made a maximum political donation to me when I was running for, uh, uh, for office as a libertarian for U.S. Senate, and he gave me a $1,000 donation, and I seriously considered just framing it and not cashing it, but I compromised by taking a, a photo of it and, and framed that. But I was really proud to have well, done that. A, that's a real credit to you, because he wouldn't do that unless he really believes in the individual and is, uh, uh, is absolutely uh, certain that that's the kind of person that has the values that will make this nation uh, a better place. We're very fortunate at Chapman to be the recipient of uh, his generosity in donating his library uh, to Chapman, and I invite everyone to to come visit our Leatherby libraries uh, and uh, visit the uh, Rose and Milton Friedman reading room that includes uh, much of his memorabilia, his books, uh, and uh, uh, many of his papers. I went to the dedication, and Rose was there at the time. And and uh, you also have a bust of him uh, there on Chapman University campus. Let me let me say another yeah, writer. Yeah. Go, it's it's wonderful to walk down that pathway. Uh, Ian Rand wrote some wonderful books as well. Uh, the Fountainhead is my favorite, but uh, she did us a disservice by talking to libertarians, saying greed is good. Now, what she meant to say and what she said in her own way, uh, not politique, but you know, if you work in your own economic self-interest, that works for everybody, and that really makes everything work well. And I would refer people to the small book, I Pencil. 
that was uh, by Edward Reed, of all things, R-E-A-D. But uh, I pencil, I'm sure you're familiar with Jim Doty. It just shows how, in effect, all of these people around the world are working to harvest some wood and to get some metal for the for the eraser and some, some uh, rubber and uh, the, the pencil... Uh, uh, the rest, and it all comes together, including the person uh, at the sh- at the harbor guiding the ships in, uh, and it all comes together in the free market system. I assume that you've used iPencil before quite a bit in your classrooms. Yeah, yeah, we do, and 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 that that idea of uh, selfishness to to give you a better view of what Rand I think was getting to, or what she, uh, how it relates to in in the real world. Uh, I recently donated uh, a kidney of mine, and uh, I consider that an absolutely selfish act. Uh, in that, I did it because of the return to me, not to the recipient, although uh, hopefully the recipient was thankful for it. I did it because of what it meant to me and the, and, and the feeling it gave me of satisfaction that, that I had done something that was valuable, that was worthwhile. That was my. That was a return to me. Uh, so that points out that selfishness does not necessarily mean you're gouging somebody or taking advantage of someone, but but can, you can help other people as well. That's what the market system is, and that's what the, what's the epiphany of the exciting thing about how Milton Friedman and what you do in your liberty uh, work and and the and the, um, and the recent writing you gave me, Jim, on what it means to be a libertarian. That that. It's it's private. You're doing things because of what it means to you, but that often results in the public virtue. And it's like Adam Smith wrote in uh, The Wealth of Nations, uh, the father of, of capitalism or the free market, and that is private vice leads to public virtue. Yes, in fact, the invisible hand of economics, of, of in effect, trying to uh, maximize your benefits and reduce your, your exposures, you know, that it has its hand in so many things that we do, like know it or not. Uh, you, you touched on something. Yeah, that, that, is, based- that invisible hand, Jim, that invisible hand is what creates a West Berlin versus an East Berlin, a South Korea versus a North Korea, uh, a vel- uh, uh, and, and, and what uh, uh, Venezuela would be like 20 years ago under a free market versus what they have now. Now, of course, you'd agree with me as well. Like you get to the Industrial Revolution, which truly was a revolution, but it really caused a great deal of harm uh, to child labor. I was listening recently. You know, at the age of six, you'd be working fourteen-hour days and that sort of thing. So we certainly need government involvement, but uh, much, much less government involvement. I was going to bring up what you did at the end by donating a kidney, Jim. Uh, it really surprised me, and it was to a stranger. It wasn't someone you knew. You just did it, which leads me to my philosophy of life, uh, what is the most important thing in life, which is pretty much the most general question I can ask, and Jim, you mentioned it, it's gratification, at least the word I use, for for doing something, for making the world a somewhat better place because you were on the earth for this short period of time, and it could be because of the kidney, it could be because to save the whales, but to be on your deathbed and look back at your life and think, oh, I wish I would have, or I wish I would not have, is really one of a a real tragedies that happened, so you have lived your life fully, you've gotten your gratification out of seeing a sleepy Chapman College actually end up to a vibrant Chapman University. And again, I commend you. And thinking out the box, I can also say that uh, if you walk on the campus at Chapman University, that there's a part of the Berlin Wall there, which makes perfect sense. How did you happen to get that on your campus? 
Well, I saw it at the Ronald Reagan Library, and I said, we have to have this at Chapman. There's no question. This is a symbol of the Cold War, and it's a symbol of freedom. It's a symbol of what, we, what we've been talking about, the difference between uh, a free market system and a totalitarian system. And uh, so I called and checked into with the, with the city of Berlin, helped, uh, and had Marilyn Herren, who uh, speaks German, write uh, some uh, ger- uh, letters to the mayor's office requesting one. And uh, took a long time and a lot of letters, and I finally got a call from uh, the, the mayor's office from Berlin saying, uh, we've received these letters, and uh, we, have, uh, we have one wall, piece of the wall left with interesting graffiti, and it's yours, but it's up to you to get it to your campus uh, from the storage area. I had no idea. This is another example of, of generosity. I had no idea how to get it here. And this is the days before emails and so on. I, I, I looked to the, I, I got my copy of the Yellow Pages. Yeah. For young people who don't know what the Yellow Pages are, it's a listing <laughs> telephone numbers where you would actually call in a rotary phone. Anyway, I called up uh, what's, uh, what was called uh, uh, Global Transport in LA. And, uh, uh, and I, the name sounded like the kind of uh, company that might be able to uh, ship this uh, uh, five-ton piece of concrete to, to the campus. And uh, uh, when I explained the situation and what we wanted to do, uh, they donated their services to get the wall to Chapman, and we brought it to Chapman. It's now part of what we call Liberty Plaza. Uh, at the university, and I invite everyone to come and see it, uh, a little piece of uh, Cold War history. President Jim Doty, the epitome of the can-do spirit, vision, getting it done. Uh, yes, I can do it, so we're, we're going to get it done. You've also done me proud, Jim, and, and thank you for this. You allowed me to uh, dedicate a, the fight song to Chapman University called Second to None, and uh, it plays on your Carillion, I guess, pretty much every noon. But I'm going to, because I was thinking of you when I wrote this, and I'm going to tell you the lyrics, if you don't mind, and you can hold your ears if I sing a little bit. But we excel in the classroom. We triumph on the field. We strive for excellence to defeat we never yield. We're leaders in life, and to all it's clear to say, we're second to none, Chapman University. Loyal Panthers winners, Panthers leading the way. Triumph Panthers, Viva Panthers, Cardinal and Gray. Vigorous and victorious, shout our name with all your might. Chapman University, fight, fight, fight. So thank you for letting me do that. That just got that off. Go Panthers. And and Jim, Jim, if I could return the favor, you are truly the Renaissance man of of, of Orange County, uh, distinguished jurist uh, and uh, a a radio commentator, uh, libertarian, a public servant, uh, and... uh, and, and, and the story goes on and on, and I, and I hope the, the future is such that you will raise the banner for the Libertarian Party and be a candidate again, because uh, you present a message that uh, people need to hear, especially young people. Well, Jim, thank you. In the minutes remaining to us, we're talking about trade barriers and tariffs now. What is your take as to the benefit of that? And I would begin by saying I, I told you that I've uh, was written that uh, 
musical called Convention. I'm up with the founders, and the constitutional delegates were brilliant because they put it in the Constitution that the states will not put tariff trade barriers among themselves. And you can imagine if Virginia had been able to put trade barriers for Maryland, how would it deadening thing it would have had on our economy. Is that the same thing now nationwide and worldwide, Jim Doty? Uh, yeah, but there's a, if I could uh, bring in Adam Smith again. Uh, Adam Smith, of course, was one of the first great economists to, uh, and writers to talk about the, uh, the benefits of a free market, open, uh, open border, open free trade versus mercantilism. Uh, which is, of course, trade barriers to increase a country's exports and limit limit imports, and uh, and Adam Smith wrote against that. But in his writing about uh, free trade, he pointed out all of the benefits of free trade. But he said that there is one area where there is an argument for for tariffs, and that is if you can use the threat of tariffs in negotiation to reduce tariff barriers, then. There's there's something to be said for it. So, if uh, President Trump and uh, and the current uh, trade uh, battles with China, uh, which I would be opposed to if they're in place permanently, because any kind of uh, uh, barriers to trade will uh, reduce uh, freedom and reduce economic output. But if those threats can lead to a drop in trade barriers and and greater uh, and and more free trade, uh, then uh, there's some benefit to it. And Adam Smith, uh, uh, the father of capitalism, uh, uh, says that that's okay. Well, and I understand, and there could be some political reason if for some reason you're able to increase human rights uh, among other countries and stuff too, but from an economic standpoint, it's just shooting yourself in the foot as well as the kneecap from my standpoint. Uh, we had no question. Her- any, any, any barriers to free trade will lower e- freedom and lower economic output. The whole basis of, a, of, 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 of what we've been able to do as a, as a global economic community is as a result of specialization, being able to produce more more goods and services, which increases uh, the standard of living. That's done through specialization, which is enhanced and facilitated by open, open borders and free trade. Well, you sure convinced me. You know, that allows people to emphasize what they do the best and uh, allow others to do the same. And everyone wins. That You have that double thank you moment among countries. So, absolutely. Jim, I just so much appreciate your coming with us. By the way, uh, I am... I've just been in your stead ever since I first met you at that time in my courtroom. I've been following you ever since, and what you have done is just remarkable. Uh, my my wife is a physical therapist, and she loves the physical therapy school at uh, at uh, Chapman University. All again signed by Jim Doty and the people he's brought aboard. So there you are. There you have it. Uh, we have discussed economics. We have discussed the can-do spirit. We've discussed parenting in a lot of ways and expectations. Uh, and we've been visiting with President Jim Doty, who is truly a successful man, truly a wonderful society, member of our society, proud to have him be my friend. And his wife as well, Lynn, is just wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, if you want to get in contact with Chapman University, send your children there. Boy, I've recommended that numbers of times to people. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're talking about what works. We're talking about libertarian values, libertarian approaches, free market, of course, with responsibility, both financial as well as social, and all the rest. And when we employ those, as we've seen between South Korea and North Korea, or East Germany, West Germany, we can 
employing those values and that spirit, we can all rise together. That's what Jim Doty has done and helped so many people do at Chapman University around the around Orange County, California, as well as the country. So visit us again. Listen to us again next week. You can go to voiceamerica.com, check on the Variety Channel anytime, and then you can see all, all rise at 7 o'clock in the morning on, on Fridays, and you can go to any back back uh, episode that you wish. Listen to Jim Doty. I'm going to listen to him about three or four times because he just says so many things worth listening. So again, talk to you again next time. Thank you for being with us on All Rise. And this is Judge Jim, Jim Gray saying thank you and life is good. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.